Welcome to the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference podcast, presented by ESPN and 42 Analytics. This is Jessica Gelman, who along with Daryl Morey, co-founded and chair the conference with a fantastic group of MIT Sloan students each year. We are thrilled to announce the launch of this podcast network to add more avenues to grow awareness and innovation around analytics and sports. We are excited to make the panel discussions from our 2019 conference, which covers a wide range of sports and analytics topics available via podcast for the very first time. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Okay, thank you and welcome to the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. My name is JB Kalin. I am a first year MBA student at MIT Sloan. And it is my pleasure to introduce our panel, Do Athletes Need the Media? Um, our panelists today include Jeannie Buss, owner of the LA Lakers, Larry Fitzgerald, wide receiver of the Arizona Cardinals, Adam Hansman, founder, The Athletic, and Katie Nolan, host at ESPN. Ooh. <laughs> wow. I'm awesome. Here. And our panel today will be moderated by Jack McCollum, special contributor, Sports Illustrated. The panel will last for about 45 minutes, after which, if there's time, we'll take Q&A. If you'd like to submit a question, please do so via Twitter using the hashtag AthletesAndMedia. Now with that, I'll hand it over to Jack. Thank you very much. Um, first thing I'd like to note is that a, uh, a special thank you to Jeannie Buss, who's in a pinch-hitting role uh, this morning. Michelle Roberts, who you might see, was supposed to make it, proving the adage that you do not take a morning, you do not book a morning flight to Boston uh, anytime before June if you have to make it in the morning. But Jeannie is a, a wonderful, uh, a wonderful addition. Um, also, the sort of, there's sort of a limited scope to the question that was raised about the panel. Uh, do athletes still need the media? We didn't want anyone to just go, no, and then we would be done. So the conversation, we have a number of people from really different aspects of the sports world. So we're hopefully going to branch off into uh, several areas. Uh, the panel idea was my idea and why I would suggest something in which we may prove my own obsolescence uh, is a mystery. But uh, nevertheless, hopefully the, uh, the answer is uh, yes, we still kind of need the media. But I don't want to uh, point anyone in that direction. Um, so just by way of introduction to the topic, um, I entered the sports world a while back. I can hear the audience saying, no shit. Um, <laughs> but uh, back when the media was pretty much the conduit for the athlete's story. If you covered high school sports, the high school athlete wanted to impress his parents or he wanted to impress his uh, girlfriend. Uh, and, but the story was told through the sports writer. It was the same thing in college athletics. Uh, if a college athlete wanted to get himself to the pros, uh, he, told, he or she told his story through the uh, reporter. And even pro athletes, if they wanted to make an all-star team or get to the Hall of Fame, that they pretty much used the sports writer in that fashion. But uh, things have changed. and. Uh, Kevin Durant, for example, has become, and Rich Kleiman, Kevin Durant's manager, was originally going to be here. Um, Kevin has become a brand sort of almost by his own creation. I mean, obviously, what he's done on the court 
has a lot to do with it. But the media, to a large extent, really didn't have a lot to do with it. And it hasn't always been that way. Michael Jordan was probably the first brand. And that was not, if David Falk's in the audience, he's going to, which I'm sure he's not, thank God, but uh, he would disagree with the fact that Michael didn't create his, as, his brand as much as the boardrooms of Nike and the uh, adoring sports writers of which I was probably, uh, of which I was probably one. So with the coming of social media, um, the Players' Tribune, and the increasing sophistication of athletes to kind of carve their own image, you know, that has changed. And so we kind of uh, come to that question. So um, let me start off with a question for Adam. Uh, what do you think about the state of the sports media in general? Adam, Adam has a co-founder named Alex Mather, and I think Adam is in charge of saying all the reasonable things, and Alex is in charge of saying all the controversial things. And one of the things Alex said was, we were frustrated as sports fans seeing the quality of sports journalism deteriorate in the digital era. Um, do you believe that's the case, and is that a lar large reason that The Athletic exists? Sure, yeah, I think, and, and same sentiment from, from my perspective, I think it's sort of a, you know, a little bit of best of times, worst of times. I mean, there's so many innovative things happening in media uh, with the, the different platforms and sort of you know, streaming, OTT, all of those kinds of things have been really innovative and I think good for sports fans. Uh, I would say fundamentally, Alex, my co-founder and I, our frustration came from a place of being local sports fans. and. Traditionally, local sports fans were served by the sports page of a local newspaper, and um, you know, in the last 30 years, that has not been a good sort of run for, for newspapers. And so, our frustration was really that as as local fans. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, originally. Grew up reading Cincinnati Enquirer every morning for the first you know 18 years of my life, and that you know that connection had sort of diminished over time. And so, our our thesis was that we could start to rebuild around local sports. Um, where you know ESPN is the worldwide leader, they're the world's largest sports media company by an order of magnitude, but they don't give me something that I need as a you know, fan of the Cincinnati Reds, for example. And so that was really our thesis, was to move away from advertising, move into a subscription model that would um, reward quality and allow us to treat journalists really well. And um, you know, we're three years old. We've, we've built, I think, the second largest newsroom in, in sports uh, at this point. We've launched in 47 markets. And I think the, the most shocking part is that subscribers, or, you know, consumers, fans have, have kind of taken to it. And they've started to, uh, you know, pay for quality journalism effectively. And so we've been uh, very pleased to see that. Um, but, but, you know, I think, you know, athletes and, and, and others, like, have a lot more options now. They're not dependent on the, the journalists in the locker room to get a message out. They can kind of control their own, their own message, and we, re we respect that, but I still think fans have demonstrated in our case that um, there's a demand for independent, objective, you know, journalistic coverage, storytelling, and, and things like that. Jeannie, what do you think of the state of the, uh, you've been around, and I say you've been around a long time only because you were so young. <laughs> you were so young when you started, uh, you know, hanging around with your dad in locker rooms. What do you think in general the state of the sports media right now? Um, you know, I, I think um, it's, it's, there's always like a love-hate relationship with the media when you're on this side of the business. That um, the media, for example, there was a lot of, of 
hype and, and um, things written about a potential trade leading into the trade deadline. And um, all of it falls, um, but it got a lot of coverage. And you know, there's, there's damage that's done to team chemistry when players have to read about all this that is, um, you know, to me it's, it's irresponsible and frustrating because it, it's, um, you know, it, it puts, uh, you, know, uh, you know, feelings that your players have and, and you know, you can't, you can't avoid it. It's part of the, the, the landscape that we deal with. But on my side, it seems like it's gotten more, there's more things written and, and put out there that have no backup, no, nobody's name associated with the story or the quotes, and an unnamed source. And um, I, you know, it, it's frustrating, and I would rather see that not happen. I'd rather see more responsibility um, it with the media and, and maybe just taking it back a little bit to think about who it's affecting when they do write lies and conjecture and made up stuff just to get clicks and to get followers. It's, it's really not right. Yeah. Larry, and I have, Larry, Larry, everybody should know, maybe you do know this, is the only Hall of Fame bound athlete I think whose father is also a sports writer. Uh, so, uh, you know, what do you think of the state of the sports media in general, uh, allowing for the fact that your father is in fact in it? Well, I'm a little biased because I, I grew up in a household with a journalist and, um, and I always have a great appreciation for the, for the terrific art of writing and to be able to convey what you're able to see, some of the greatest feats some of the athletes are able to accomplish and you know, even my earliest childhood memories, I see the, the great relationships that journalists and athletes had. I mean, everybody knows about Howard Cosell and Muhammad Ali's infinity for each other. And I think the combination of those two together, I mean, really rose both of their profile. So I think when done in the right way, um, it, it can magnify both a journalist and an athlete um, to an elite platform. And I think that always gonna be a, a need for great journalism um, covering wonderful athletic feats and um, it's changing but I, I don't think we can ever go without it yeah katie okay. i think i think it's doing great <laughs> Here we are. thank you ladies and gentlemen for coming in as a member of the sports media um uh i it, like larry said it is different now than it was before um but that has Obviously, for me, that has afforded the ability for me to get into the sports media um, and for shows that don't have access, which all sports media was born of, access to the athletes and to the teams and to the locker rooms. Um, I don't have that as, as a studio show, and I can still have access to information because I get it from the athletes through their social channels. Um, so I think that, yes, things are changing, and we have to change with it, which we've seen with networks uh, and other, other companies adapting to all the different platforms, and it's been very fun watching old men learn what Snapchat is. Um, but it, it's... Are you talking to me? No, no. I don't know if you're on Snapchat. I don't follow you. No. Okay. Not Snapchat. We'll get you on by the end of the day. But it's, I mean, obviously we all have to adapt and change um, along with it, but I, I, 
I think it's incredibly valuable to hear about, because not all athletes are on social media. Not all athletes want to talk about themselves. And so, you know, the media doesn't just pick the guys that only post about themselves. There are people who need to have their stories told, and the media allows for that. Yeah. The, you, you, with a possible exception of Katie, you, you grew up, Jeannie, Larry, m maybe not Adam, who I know he's not 14, even though he looks it, but I, he's a, that's a compliment, by the way. But you grew up, uh, Jeannie, you know, with traditional media. I mean, really in the middle of it, you know, back when there wasn't uh, anything else. So you kind of touched on this, but I mean, the changes that have come, uh, they all good, they all bad, or they halfway in, in between, sort of? I think it's, um, you know, I, I think they're, it's become irresponsible and reckless. And, you know, I, I think that um, social media has made, made that um, probably allowed it because now it's, it doesn't really matter who puts it out. It, it either, you know, somebody could put something on social media, media and then it trickles up and then people have to comment on it even though it's, you know, a um, false story, but now it becomes part of the conversation and then you can't make it go away. You can't, you can't unhear it. And, um, you know, I think back, um, you know, in the, in the days when I started in this business, it seemed to be more, um, there was more responsibility about the things that were written and that you couldn't, you know, get away and have a good reputation with, with planting a story that, without naming a source or, you know, giving some kind of credibility so that you knew that it wasn't somebody just trying to damage your brand, damage your team, damage your player. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's frustrating to me, which is why I'm on social media, because it allows me to have a voice to, to come straight from me and not have to go through um, somebody that might twist something that I have to say. So I, I think, you know, we're just in a different landscape. There's a lot of power through the media. and. Um, it can be very helpful, but it can also be very damaging. You, you come out, you almost have a triple barrel aimed at you. You know, you're a team owner, uh, you're a woman, mm -hmm. and you went through a period of time when you had a, you know, a personal relationship with a very famous person. Yes. So you've, you've pretty much had to withstand the barrage of, of, of social media criticism, mm -hmm. I would guess. And since we're on the subject, Katie, I guess that would be the same Thing kind I did of for date a, a very famous man there. For what's that? I said I did date a very famous. I was just joking. I okay. Was <laughs> I was going to say who was it because I wasn't aware of it, but <laughs> but I mean you you sort of uh, do you look at your uh, mentions? Your mentions? No. No. <laughs> I, uh, I shouldn't. It's a constant conversation. Um, I will say, as a woman, I shouldn't be the only one who has to answer this question, but I will answer it. Uh, there's, you've kind of adjusted, I've adjusted over the years to learn what to care about and what not to. It's insane what I can look at and be like, yeah, that's nothing, this is the one that really hurts. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a fine line between listening to what people 
feedback from people, real people, which sometimes you know, the media in the past maybe ignored completely what real people have to say about the product that you're putting out there. And then also knowing that a lot of these opinions are not ones that you need to listen to. Uh, but it is why I, I, I think the media, sports media in, specifically, is still important because you, not all athletes want to in, get involved in that. I wouldn't encourage an athlete. I was telling Larry before, I was like, don't ever look at your at mentions because it's, it's not going to help you in any way. So if an athlete doesn't want to be exposed to that, the media can still help them tell their story and, and interact with fans or show fans a different side of themselves without having to get into the mud that's on social media. Yeah. Um, Larry, you, you're on Twitter, active on Twitter. Do you, um, I didn't expect to turn this conversation so quickly to social media, but because <laughs> it's inevitable we're going to go there. But uh, do you look at stuff uh, that you write and, uh, I mean, do you look at the, 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 the uh, notes that you get from it? Do you look at people replying to you? No, I don't. I don't, I don't even, be honest with you, I don't even have it on my phone. Um, you, know, you what? I don't even have the applications on my phone. I don't. I, I, I'm just I not. You just made news here, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. I'm, I'm, I'm just not. I'm just not really. You don't have a flip phone, do you still? No, 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 no. No, I just choose not to, to deal with it. I mean, because when I did, it, it became a bit of a distraction from time to time. You know, it's people commenting on this. You know, I didn't like the way you wore this or the way you performed or your fantasy points or, you know, it's just mostly just all negativity. And I just didn't want to expose myself to it any longer. Um, I'm still active, but I just am not really all that interested in the comments that people have to make, to be honest with you. I'm not a, I'm not a consumer. Um, I'm not selling clothes. I, I mean, so the opinion of people doesn't really um, hold as much weight, if, if that makes sense to you. Um, you know, I, I think it's important now with our young people especially the young athletes, they, they have to have the, the most confidence in their ability to, to go out there and perform at the highest level, regardless of what people think of you, what team they think you should be on, what your fantasy production is. Like you need to be able to have a, a sense of worth that's not just based on what other people that you don't even know think about you. And I think that's important. We were talking backstage, you mentioned that your father uh, is on Twitter and is somewhat of a loose cannon. <laughs> He's kind of the anti-Larry uh, yes. guy on Twitter. Yeah, he's, uh, we, we've had some, some bouts of late uh, that I, I haven't liked. Uh, my dad is a journalist. He's been a journalist for the last 42 years. And his experience as a journalist has given me an insight that I don't think any other guy that I know of has had the opportunity to have. I mean, from my earliest childhood days, I remember you know, being in the Metrodome and going out in the center field and catching fly balls with Kirby Puckett or Kevin Garnett after practice, you know, working on his free throws, 30 minutes after practice, I'm rebounding for him, or before games at the Vikings, you know, out there throwing passes to Chris Carter and Randy Moss and doing things that really, as a child, you just look up to your idols, but at that, I was taking it all in. I was looking at it and saying, look, this is something I really want to do. This is the work I think of some of the greatest Hall of Famers that ever played. I get a chance to be up close and personal. I get a chance to see them. Those opportunities were presented only because my father was a journalist. He had a relationship with those athletes. They allowed me into that inner circle for me to be able to watch and understand and grow and learn why, what they were doing. So I'm not naive to the, to the benefits of having that personal relationship with athletes and journalism because I, I saw it. I'm a, I'm a direct beneficiary of that relationship. So I think it's important um, that athletes continue to um, you know, de develop those relationships, cultivate them, because it's, it's not going to change. Can you put out your own story, put out your own fires? Yes, but there's always going to be 
um, times where you're going to have to deal with it, you're going to have to face the music, you're going to have to answer questions about your productivity and things that you're doing in your personal life. That's just part of the business that we're in. Did, did your dad ever uh, cover your games? Yes, my dad has covered my games on several different occasions. I, I wish he didn't um, <laughs> because he, he's awful opinionated. And, uh, you know, and, and as, you know, as a father, it's difficult. You know, when, you're, when you are talking to your father, you, you talk to him and you say, Dad, this is bothering me. I, I really don't like the way this is going. You're talking to him as a father-son relationship. Sometimes my dad doesn't know that he's talking in a father-son relationship. Sometimes he thinks he's talking to an athlete and he's a journalist. And, um, and he'll use some of the things that we talked about in private on, uh, on his social media feeds. And, and I, have to, I have to remind him, Dad, um, you, you're my dad first, you know, and, and then you're a journalist. So you, know, you have to take that in consideration when we're talking. You, at your level, you can't have a talk with him? <laughs> no, no, I have to tell, I have to tell, Dad, this conversation is off the record. Yeah. <laughs> this conversation's off the record. My sons tell me to go to hell all the time. <laughs> um, Adam, uh, you had a, uh, you're sort of in a crossover position. You're a business, you're in the media, but you're a businessman. And I wonder what your experience has been with the media since you kind of dove into the media pool yourself and Alex, your co-founder, the one charged with making the controversial sure. comments, sure. said something about we want to uh, route every newspaper and see them burning in uh, ashes on the sidewalk of, uh, uh, you know, got a lot of comment, got a sure. lot of controversy. Sure. And I suppose you had to kind of deal with that. So in this kind of crossover position, how have you found the, the sports sporting press since you dove into it as we are a subject of yeah 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 I, I think as it relates to the the quote from from Alex you know sort of the context of it was you know why are we hiring so aggressively from from newspapers at that time we had just uh, hired a, a, Bay Area, a team in the Bay Area where we had pulled a lot of folks from one particular uh, publisher and um, the full context of the quote was honestly that like that those individuals were were not being treated well and so our, our view is we're going to continue to be aggressive recruiting talent as it's available to us, as we can sort of do things like up people's pay, give them great benefits, give them stock options in our, in our company, and really just treat them and sort of with the respect they deserve as these like amazingly talented journalists. And so the quote, obviously, it was a little graphic, um, caused a bit of a, a bit of controversy, but you know, I think we've learned, and I'll, I'll sort of tie this back into something Jeannie mentioned, you know, I, I understand the sentiment, and we, as we've become uh, subjective media in our own right, you know, I have feelings all the time like this coverage is is biased, this coverage isn't totally factually accurate, this this doesn't feel right. But I, it sort of comes with the territory, I think, is what we've realized. And obviously, there's some, there are some best practices in how to kind of manage manage relationships with the, the press that's covering us and. And so I think it, it, all, all, it comes down to accountability and keeping us honest. And I, I think we've sort of accepted that. But you know, I think we could do a, separately a whole panel on kind of the NBA rumor mill and the way mm -hmm. that's sort of exploded mm -hmm. in the last however many years. Mm -hmm. I will say, I think that, you know, and obviously some of our reporters break NBA news, as I'm sure you know. But on the sort of core publishing side, I think what gets us excited, I think it's the reason we can actually have a very healthy, balanced relationship with players is because we aren't actually clicks driven. Like it's, you know, being a subscription publisher, it's, mm -hmm. it's more about storytelling and engaging fans and not being as sensationalistic. And mm -hmm. so 
Um, obviously, that's my, that's my pitch for why everyone should go subscribe to The Athletic. But um, I, I think there does need to be, I, responsibility is really important. And, and there really isn't a lot of accountability with, with Twitter, with digital. And, mm. and I, I hope we get back closer to that. Do athletes come in, and Katie, you have a lot of uh, contact with athletes on what you might think a more personal you know, basis when you do stuff with them. Do athletes come in more media savvy, have you found, than they used to? And I'm going to ask Larry and Jeannie that also. Uh, do you find them pretty media savvy, or you would tend to connect with athletes who are media savvy, I would guess, right? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's part of what formed uh, the way we handled guests on my old show, which was called Garbage Time, and on my new show, Always Late, which you should go subscribe to ESPN Plus if that's what we're doing. Tell them you should subscribe to that. Uh, how much is yours? $5 a month. Yes, us too. Four ninety nine a oh. month, actually. <laughs> Save a penny. Um, but so the, Larry, are you selling anything down there? <laughs> no, no, no. The way we approach guests is, you know, you start to see athletes come in more buttoned up, more ready to give you the same answers you've kind of heard a lot. And I don't hold that against them. I think that's kind of a product of what Jeannie was talking about. Like, you don't want to say anything and have that run away and become a story, and you don't want to. So I get why they are that way. But um, we sort of found that they didn't want to do the typical interview. And we didn't want to do it either. And so we were just like, hey, what if we had you do something totally wacky? Like we had Odell Beckham Jr. read lines from Mad Men, which was ending at the time, and auditioned to be in Mad Men and did not make any sense. But he had so much fun doing it. And the, anybody watching our show, all three of them, hi, Mom, um, got to see a side of him that you didn't see before. And so that's where, I mean, and I'm just speaking for my show and my strategy as a, as a person finding her way in this sports media our kind of area, the corner that we have is like, look, you get all the information from everybody else. Like, let's let's show these athletes as just people that are people you'd want to hang out with or maybe people you wouldn't, but like, here's a side of them you wouldn't see. Like Kevin Love answering phone calls, asking for love advice called Loveline, very funny. Um, but it it's a different way that they can't do on Twitter. They're busy. They have stuff to do. Yeah. So we do the production part for them, and we're like, let's just goof off and see what comes of it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get back to the type of content. But while we're on the subject, Jeannie, because of your experience that you've had, do you talk to your the young kids coming in about, or does you turn that over to Irvin, who's had his own experiences with the media? <laughs> I mean, would you use your experience to talk to your, your players about the media? Well, I, I think that the young athletes now are very savvy about um, their, you know, who, who they want to be, the message they want to deliver. Um, they have um, PR people. They have coaches. Um, they, you know, we have this um, kid, Kyle Kuzma, who I have just watched really blossom. And, um, and, and because he's media friendly, he's prepared, that's, you know, he's, he's gotten a lot of commercials. You know, it, 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 he knows that that, you know, um, the media is his friend um, if, he, if he's prepared and, um, and he gets an opportunity to get the platform, it's gonna lead to more opportunities for him as he goes through his career and um, hopefully um, post-career as well. So um, I've, I've really seen a, a difference in attitude from back in the day, Jack, like when, you know, 
we, we had a, a very um, famous uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who really didn't like to do any kind of media. And now he's become a journalist <laughs> writing for many different publications. And, um, but you know, there was a day and time where you, you had um, athletes that would not, would not speak to media. And now I, I see that the, the, the young people are uh, much more um, prepared and much more embracing of being able to tell their own story through media and through their own social media. Larry, do you find uh, your young player, Larry, by the way, is they, were, they had a panel yesterday about uh, unicorns, which was you know, the basketball equivalent of trying to find a, a big player who can shoot and do everything. Larry's a unicorn. Larry has been with one team. <laughs> Larry has been with one team for six, 16 16. seasons, which is wow. incredible. Uh, you can applaud if you want to, but uh, <laughs> I mean that—that that is a remarkable achievement. So you've seen, you know, back. Well, of course, you're trying to think when you came in. Oh, social media would have been around, but certainly not what it is. Do kids, do young players come in media savvy, and do you talk to them? about what they should expect from this swarming horde of people like myself? Well, they definitely are much more prepared um, because they've been utilizing since they were in high school. They've kind of mastered the art of communication through that way. If anything, I, I'm always trying to harp on them and the importance of being able to communicate with other human beings that are actually in front of you, um, which they struggle to do. When I came in the locker room, we were talking about it earlier, the locker room was a lot more a lot more charismatic, a lot more energy because guys were talking, they were listening to music, they were engaging with each other. Now you walk in the locker room and it's pretty quiet because everybody's on their, on their phones and they're um, engaged in whatever else is going on outside of what they should be focusing on. That's in the locker room, building that camaraderie um, and, uh, and working to be a cohesive unit um, as a team. And uh, Communicating interpersonally is, is very important to do that. Um, but they do know how to master that, that the social media. They understand it. That they know how to communicate with each other, um, find deals and opportunities, um, things that they are, are into from fashion to sneakers to all the things they, they really enjoy. They're able to connect with people who are affluent in those, in those areas. And so I've seen them be able to do it. And I, I'm, I'm actually in awe of how well they do it because I, I just haven't grasped it. Do they try to say, What's with your phone, man? You got <laughs> <laughs> No, they, they get on me all the time about it, but I think that it's important to be able to engage with people and, and develop those, great, those relationships. And um, also, I don't think we take into account uh, when you're talking about media and, and how some guys have difficulty with it. You know, when I, I live in Arizona, I play for the Arizona Cardinals. We haven't been, uh, you know, a historically great franchise in terms of our success on the field. So we don't have the same following. We have maybe five or six beat writers that we see every day. But if you play for New York Giants or New York Knicks or the Los Angeles Lakers, I mean, they have 30 or 40, maybe 50 different publications in the locker room every single day. And these guys are all competing for stories that somebody else has not um, taken an angle on. And so it's, it's a little bit different um, when you're able to to, to build those relationships with a guy like Ken Summers or, or, or Scott Bordeaux, who've been in the business 25, 30 years. They understand and appreciate the art of uh, covering athletes 
And, and if you say something that's compromising, since they have a relationship with you, they might not run with it. They say, Fitz, is you sure you want to say it like that? I've had guys actually say that to me in an interview. You sure that, didn't, that doesn't sound like you normally would sound? They would give me an opportunity to fix it. If I was in a bigger market and you, know, you got 21-year-olds working for um, you know, not as reputable sites, I mean, they would just take it and run with it. So um, you have to always take that into consideration too, the market that you're in and, um, and, and the experiences that you have with different medias. So you think it would have been harder to be Larry Fitzgerald, uh, good guy, thoughtful guy, cooperative with the media. You would have always been a great player, but it would have been harder to have that image had you been in uh, New York. Yeah, for you would have somewhere along the line exploded on somebody? Or for sure. I mean, we, we are all human. We have bad days. We have bad moments. We have disagreements, spats with uh, teammates, coaches. I've had my fair share, but um, because most of our games are not televised, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, covered the same way. So it, it also, it does, it does, you know, have a, you know, big determining factor. But you must have liked it that way. You stayed with one. You... I, I, I've always been a loyal person. Um, you know, I, I, I value loyalty in everything that I do. Um, they drafted me there. They gave me an opportunity to live my dream. Um, and I've had plenty of opportunities to go other places. I just felt like I wanted to build, I wanted to be great where I started. And, you know, and as opposed to joining my friends, I'd rather beat them personally. Uh, I think it's much more gratifying when we catch up in the summertime and I could tell them, you know, I kicked your ass when we played in November. <laughs> I, I, and, I, and I like that. Yeah. Yesterday they were talking, uh, Bill Simmons and, and Commissioner Adam Silver, and they were talking about this certain uh, fatigue factor that, that athletes, and this was basketball players, seemed to be a little, um, just a little more unhappy. And they both kind of agreed upon it. It kind of surprised me, and I just wonder if it had to do with, and I guess we're going to have to, make this sort of the last question, and I'll try to round it into because we have some Q&A. Um, do you find that to be the case, and is that the pressure of social, you know, social media? When I covered the league, it was sort of like the school year. It began in October, you know, June, and then you, then you took off. Now it's a 365-day-a-year league, and I wonder if that drives us to more kind of content the way the kind of Katie content we can call more with athletes being cooperative and a less traditional <laughs> way. Adam, do you, with podcasts and things like that, because they seem to take on a more comfortable uh, relationship between the athlete and the interviewer. Right. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, even just with respect to the reporters that are on our, in, our, in our newsroom, uh, we are going to be testing some things in the near future around podcasting. And it, you know, it, it's just a more comfortable format that it's, I, I would say more accessible for athletes, for, for front office, for, for reporters to just talk a little more openly. Uh, now when like quotes get plucked out of podcasts or whatever, it can, can sort of have the same effect as anything else. But um, you know, reporters tell us all the time, they, they love just like going on a show and like talking openly and being a little more speculative, but not having it be sort of like on the record, so to speak. And so, uh, I think we can. I think we can play with format like that. Um, yeah. You you feel more comfortable in that kind of thing, Larry? Like doing more at you know more friendly content and podcasts and things like that. Yeah, I do them. I don't have any. I don't have any problem with them. But I I, 
I can understand what you're saying about um, you know the athletes being more ornery because they're, they're, we answer so many questions that have nothing to do with the actual game. I mean, I just remember watching Kevin, Gar uh, Kevin Durant when they played the Knicks a few weeks ago, and he scored 27 points, you know, eight rebounds. He was like shot 60% from the field. Unbelievably efficient, <laughs> unbelievable game. First question I asked him was, what, what was it like to receive the, 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 the ovations every time you scored a point? Like, I play for the, I play for the Warriors. Why are you asking me about the, the Knicks fans cheering me? Like, I, let's talk about the basketball game. You know, I've never said I wanted to play for the Knicks, so you're, you're just answering a lot of questions that don't have anything to do with what you're doing that day to help your team win. And that definitely gets old, you know, being asked those type of questions and it, and it starts to irritate you. So I, I, I can understand why guys get, get ornery and sometimes react volatile. Yeah. My uh, questions have disappeared from here. If you want to just keep going. Okay. I'm going to cough right. really loud. I have to get it out or else I'm going to sit here and choke. But I keep trying to do it quiet and I do it into the mic. I'm just going to cough. Just block your ears. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right, we're good. Thank you. You're so polite. <laughs> what is your, uh, the vision of uh, the future of sports coverage? I mean, is it going to be, continue to be a mixture of uh, Katie content and traditional, I like uh, I've coined a new word, like by the it. way, but yeah. All funny, cool stuff is Katie content from here on out. There you go. Or... Is there anything, I'll ask you this, Adam, since you're the businessman here, is there anything, you know, in 10 years that's uh, going to change or will there still be uh, people huddling around players' lockers in locker rooms and what do you see as the direction? Yeah, I, I, my guess is as good as anyone's. I would say, you know, the, the, the data that oh, I have. It better be better than anyone's. Maybe it's a little better. run a business. Uh, yeah, I mean, so given that, I mean, we've seen a tremendous response to what I would describe as a bit of a return to traditional, uh, like, storytelling and journalism. And so I still think there's absolutely a lot of demand for that. Um, we kind of think about The Athletic as taking some of the best of what Sports Illustrated used to do, what the local sports, sports page used to do, what... Um, things like ESPN Insider have done over the years and sort of putting them together. And, you know, I don't, uh, you know, we also like to pull in things like with 538 in terms of data journalism and, and sort of picking the best of, of sort of a, a bunch of different things. Um, and subscribers have really responded to that. And so, you know, being a, being a business person, I go on that. Um, if subscribers go somewhere else, you know, or, or fans start to consume media in a different way, then um, we'll have to respond. Um, I still believe there is absolutely strong demand for traditional coverage of the teams that people love and, and being very local focused. Yeah. Jeannie, you have any thoughts on the future of, would you? Um, I think, um, you know, I, I like the idea of um, <coughs> as we get more into the, <laughs> are you okay? I'm okay. I'm, okay. I'm trying not to cough. Sorry, Jeannie. Please bless you. Bless your heart. It's part of you're, Katie content, by the way. You're, you're, you're so polite. Um, <coughs> Uh, you know, I think that with now with um, gambling on sports, um, there's going to be uh, more media coverage that will talk about, you know, different aspects of gambling. I like the idea of the things that we're hearing about um, having um, different commentators that, that, you know, you'll have a game, but you'll be able to choose the commentators that you want to hear, if you want to take a, a, a more humorous slant or 
Um, I think um, in the English Premier League, they even have a channel where it's, it's fans who are doing the commentating on the games. So I think it's, it's really finding different um, uh, you know, appeals, what appeals to our, our you know, watchers, our consumers, and, and delivering the message in a way that they want to hear it. That, um, you know, it's, I think sports is just um, uh, content that people want to see in real time, consume in real time, and now it's just, it's, you know, all the other bells and whistles that go along with it that um, will um, widen the landscape um, in terms of audience. Yeah. Larry, you still think you'll be answering questions from uh, reporters when you, you're still playing at Tom Brady, age of 41 or whatever? Are you still going to be playing them, by the way? No chance. No chance. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll still be answering. Uh, athletes will still be answering those questions. I don't think it's going to change um, that drastically. Um, I, I think it's a positive that you know we're able to now have a little bit more in-depth look at some of the athletes and seeing um, what these men are about, what these women are about, some of the interests off the court, off the field. I think it's fascinating to learn just how interesting these people are. And, um, and I wish that would have been possible years ago. I mean, you look at guys like Magic Johnson, just unbelievable business mind, capable of doing so many things besides run, you know, um, you know, run a fast break, three on two, um, fast break. I mean, one of the best businessmen you could you could think of. I mean, it'd have been great to be able to you know see his his script, his blueprint to success, transitioning from the basketball court right into the business world. Um, you know, now helping run, you know, one of the top organizations in, in the world. I mean, like that's that's fascinating to see guys be able to do things like that, and you know, the media gives us the opportunity now to be able to see that. We have time for one. The, um, this doesn't exactly fit the topic, but it's, you know, it, it kind of does, that, that sports has become such a platform for, let's say, discussing political, discussing politics, uh, and we have four people looking at it from four different ways. Katie succeeded in getting herself in a little bit of trouble, I believe, uh, a while ago by saying something. I don't what? remember exactly the Why quote about Donald Trump. I don't have it. I don't have it in here, but uh, I just wondered uh, down the line here, Jeannie, do you say um, anything to your players about like Golden State Warriors have become a very political organization mm -hmm. and uh, do you say anything to your players about that or does anyone? Um, you know I, I'm so proud of our um, league, the NBA. I think that um, we have uh, the best relationship with our players. We think of our players as our partners and we encourage them to stand up for what they believe in to be passionate, um, uh, to you know, help them, give them a platform to um, be part of the community and to, um, you know, to, to step up and, and you know, if, if they feel it's necessary, if it's not anything that they're, that they're interested in, then they don't have to. It's really about their personal choice and we support them in whatever that is. And, and I'm, I'm proud of our league, I'm proud of our commissioner, and I'm proud of our players for, for what they stand for and uh, what they believe in. All right. I think, 
part of that too is why is one of the um, really important things that the media can help athletes with because there is something to, yes, a player can go on social media and say whatever they want about insert political topic here. I would advise them not to uh, maybe do that um, because you get the direct reactions from people to that. It gets taken out of context. If it's a tweet, you only have so many characters. If it's a video on Instagram, you only have so much time. Whereas if you really feel passionately about something, I think uh, the media can help you tell that story in a way that you know, kind of helps you cover for the parts where you don't know what you're talking about or uh, helps you just tell that story in a, in a way that would be received in a more nuanced way by fans um, than if you just send out a tweet like, I feel this way. Yeah. Larry, you've had to, uh, you've had to thread the needle more than any of us because you're in a position where, I, I, I'm not sure whether any of the Cardinals kneeled, but you're in a position where, and I saw something you wrote about, I believe maybe you have a radio show mm -hmm. or something, and you try to thread that needle between I'm not going to do that and uh, I still respect people's ability to do that. Do you talk to your teammates at all about politics or anything political? No, I, I don't personally, but I, I, I do, I did, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, but I, I liked the fact that guys took it upon themselves to be able to voice what they really felt. Um, if they did it in the stage, you know, outside the realm of the, of the, of the, of the game, their voices wouldn't have been heard. Um, and I, I, liked, I liked the fact that they, they were empowered by giving themselves the opportunity to, to speak up and, and, and talk about the things that were important to them. Um, these guys are taxpayer citizens, honest, hardworking guys. Um, they want to see changes. And I think, you know, when you're in a league that's consistent of, you know, 75 to 80 percent African-Americans, I mean, their view of the world is a little different than, you know, the view of everybody else's. And, I think sometimes that can be misconstrued, um, but I think those guys' hearts were in the right place um, over the last few years. And, um, you know, just to get the reaction that we got from President Trump, I mean, like, never in history have, has a president ever been that engaged in something that's happened in a, in a, in a sports league. And um, to be able to get the conversation moving in the right, right direction, I think, was something that we can all say was positive. Do you tell your employees anything, Adam, about or? suggest to your uh, em yes. employees any vague guidelines about what they should do? Uh, we do. I mean, we have a social media policy, but I would say we're not trying to, you know, sort of turn everyone, you know, we have 300-person newsroom, and everyone is an individual in that newsroom, and they all have different opinions, and, you know, we sort of let them sort of express those opinions, just like, you know, employees and, like, athletes can express their opinions. I think our, our sort of business mindset towards this is, you know, be human, be decent, you know, avoid fighting on Twitter. It's because it's good for your, it's good for your life to, to avoid that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the politics, it's a, it's a very real thing. We'll put a story out that touches on with, with Colin Kaepernick and, you know, we have to turn the comment sections off, even though these are people that have, are paying to access a service. And so um, it's, it's a heightened sort of feeling. Uh, we're, all, we're sensitive to that. Um, but our filter from a coverage standpoint is, you know, with, with, with Colin or with, with anything, if it's newsworthy, we're going to cover it, even if people unsubscribe because they want us to stick to sports. And so focus is sports, but um, there are definitely newsworthy things outside of just, you know, the events that are on the field. And, and, th and that's kind of how we think about it. Yeah. Katie, you also thread a, thread a needle because you are, in fact, called an opinionist. Mm. Um, 
but somewhere along the line, there has to be. a lot of things, by the way. Huh? I'm called a lot of things. And, and part of KD content is uh, expressing opinion, so you have to kind of, how, how do you watch yourself and how much trouble have you gotten into? A bunch. Um, it's, it's tough because, you know, your job is to tell people what you think about stuff. And it, if that's what you do all the time, it's hard to stop doing that. Um, uh, but it's um, what I've learned mostly is that there are there are times to take a stand and there are times to shut up, and it's that's a tough lesson to learn when you like to talk a lot. But uh, you know, it's it's more about mature responsibility and knowing that when you speak, people want to take your words and make them represent your company or represent your boss or represent where you're from or represent when I think I'm just speaking for me, I've now learned I'm speaking for a number of people. And so I just, I don't talk at all anymore about <laughs> most stuff. You don't talk. Thanks for bringing this up. I do appreciate it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm sure if there's any ESPN executives out there, they're all going, I hope she doesn't say this, you know, I hope she doesn't. But uh, I guess we're around uh, to the time I messed up the uh, Joe, question. Don't you try to figure it I out? I messed up the, no, you can't figure it out. Okay. Is there questions? Huh? Here, bring What's them up. What's wrong with it? What's no, see? It? I'm sorry, we should have. The, the worthy assistant is going to bring up the what questions here. What supposed to be? Is it the docs? I'm very docs? sorry. Want me to get that? I got you. Thanks, Katie. I didn't do that to be mean. I Shut wanted up. to be. No, don't. <laughs> no. It's Google. It's how I do the script for my show. That's the only reason I knew that. Uh, let's see here. Um, with the widespread access of athletes, this is a good question. With the widespread access of athletes through a growing number of platforms, mediums, have sports lost some of its mythology? Has the idea of being an athlete become commoditized and cheap? And boy, you can tell these are grad students, by the way, asking these. <laughs> Has sports become, uh, lost some of its mythology? That's a very interesting question, which would probably take 40 minutes to uh, answer. But the, Jeannie, do you think, I mean, you came along at a very, I mean, you were with some legendary right. people, you know, the Showtime Lakers and your father, you know, was a was a, a myth himself, kind of almost. Do you think it's lost anything like? Well, I, I think I think, you know, I don't think we lose anything by, you know, instead of having them on a pedestal and it being unreachable. I think the fact that athletes, you know, more about them, makes them more inspiring because it means it's more. Um, something everybody can do, whereas if it's, you know, I don't know, maybe it demystifies them because, you know, I don't know. I, it, it's, I, I, I like it the way it is now as opposed to like creating a persona that nobody can live up to and then it makes, makes it seem it's like it's impossible to reach, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. I'm sure, since I'm sure this doesn't fit the topic either, but I'm sure everybody wants to hear it. Larry, what are your thoughts on the Antonio Brown uh, situation? One of your fellow, your fellow wide receivers who approaches things somewhat differently than yourself. <laughs> no, I love AB. He's, Mr. Big Chess is a good friend of mine. Um, but I, I don't think he's going about it the right way, personally. Um, 
you know, to be able to play with an all-time quarterback like he's able to play with, I don't think he understands how good he has it. You know, it's, it could, it could be, it could get tough out there. It could get tough out there. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Not some KD content there. The but, uh, only thing that's going to leave this panel and has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's how. That's best. Finally, I guess, are we at the finally? We're at the finally stage. Uh, I think Larry kind of interest, answered this. How do the Woj and Adam Schefters of the world have all the inside scoops? But more beside, in the future, will more players take charge of breaking their own news? Uh, like if you were going to get. If you were ever going to leave, Larry, would you break that news yourself, or would you tell your father, tell your father, and let him blast it, or would you tell a traditional Arizona reporter? I would probably talk. I would, no, I definitely would talk to somebody that I respected, a guy like a, you know, Jim Trotter, who I have a relationship with, or somebody that I've built up a, a great rapport with over the years that I would feel comfortable with and would do it in the right manner at the right time and, you know, present it in the, in the proper light. But, you know, the, the Adam Scheffners of the world and, and, uh, and these guys who break these stories, I mean, the GMs are volunteering this information. The coaches are talking. The players, I mean, this is, they're, they're trying to get information out um, to put themselves in the best light. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's ugly. It's ugly business. It really is because not all of it is factual. Um, people jockeying for positions for next jobs. And, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's really ugly at times. So our short answer to the question, are the athletes still need the media? Yes. yes. We all, we all yes. Very much sort so. of agree on. So yeah. I guess we're at the end. Thank you, everybody. If you want to hear these panels in person next year on March 6th and 7th, 2020 in Boston, please register for the 14th annual MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference at sloansportsconference.com. This recording is the property of 42 Analytics and may not be published, broadcast, rewritten, or redistributed without the express written consent of 42 Analytics. Any opinions expressed by panelists are their own and do not represent the beliefs of the conference, 42 Analytics, or the MIT Sloan School of Management. 42 Analytics Educational, Inc. reserves all rights in the content.